Hello, how are we all doing? Welcome back to episode 35 of FNI Rap Chat Film Network Ireland Rap Chat on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Uh, you're very welcome along if you're if it's your first time uh, listening in. Today we come from the Kerry Film Festival in the Wild Atlantic Way um, at the uh, Kerry Film Festival. We were very lucky; we were invited down to a to uh, run a networking event and obviously do a couple of podcasts. Um, we were delighted to be there. It's incredible. I mean, if you're looking for some locations, it's really breathtaking out there. Um, yeah, so check it out. If you haven't had a chance and you haven't been down to Killarney, uh, you know, it's just really spectacular. Uh, we also ran a networking event, which was a great success. A lot of people came along. Um, and it was just really a lovely couple of days away. Uh, some really brilliant uh, films also on show. Um, today uh, we are joined by uh, Vincent Lamb, who directed a short film by the name of Detainment, which is a quite a tentative short film, um, which is about the Jamie Bulger case um, from 1993. Um, it's a dramatisation, a docudrama on that. Um, it's a really interesting watch um, and it opens the debate um, about that whole scenario. Um, it's a fascinating watch and it won Best Irish Short at the uh, Kerry Film Festival this week. So keep an eye out for that. It's playing at the Richard Harris Film Festival this week and I'm sure at lots of other festivals in the near future. As always, if you'd like to support FNI Rap Chat, uh, or for indeed Film Network Ireland, you can go to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash FNI. Um, check us out on our social media channels on Instagram forward slash Film Network Ireland, Facebook forward slash Film Network Ireland, and on Twitter, film, uh, FNI underscore film. Um, also, keep an eye out. We uh, we did a bit of a vlog and we got some really beautiful time lapses uh, with a good friend of the show, uh, Louis Diaz. Um, at Lewis Cameraman um, for anyone looking out to see any of his other previous work Uh, so yeah Vincent Lamb Hello. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> How are you feeling today? Good, good, yeah, yeah, a little, little hazy. It was a late night last night. But yeah, the good. award ceremony, congratulations, you won, uh, what, what, what award did it you win? It was the Best Irish Short. Fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was nice to win here. Wild ride, man, huh? <laughs> um, congratulations. Um, and it was for a short film called Detainment, am I right? That's right, yeah. So maybe you might tell us a little bit about that. So it's, um, well, it's about two ten-year-old boys who uh, are detained by police under suspicion of abducting a toddler. But, you know, for, for most people, a better way to describe it is that it's, it's based on the interview transcripts and records of the, the James Bulger case from 1993. Mm-hmm. So he was, he was uh, abducted from a shopping centre and then two days later uh, his body was found um, beaten and murdered uh, on a railway track. But I think you know the most interesting thing about that uh, case was uh, the most shocking part of it was really that the 
the main suspects were children themselves, just two ten-year-old boys. Yeah, yeah, really harrowing. I was maybe twelve or thirteen at the time, and yeah, I was just like everybody else, shocked at the time, and it was kind of. Uh, it's one of those. I, I think they were the were they the only they were tr- they were tried as adults. Am I right in saying that? That's right. Yeah. yeah, the first one in over a century or so. They, first they kid. changed a lot of things with that case. You know, um, I, I mean, I mean, yeah. The first kind of ridiculous thing that I think was is that they tried them as adults, and and the way they did it. Um, I remember David James Smith, a journalist at the time, who's written a, a great book actually called The Sleep of Reason. Okay. Um, he was he was following the case and he figured that it was you know this this process of deciding whether or not they'd be tried as adults or children would you know go on for you know days or weeks you know because it's it's a whole different set of rules you know mm-hmm. and it was all done away within I think the space of something like forty minutes they brought in two school teachers and a and then a neighbour and they said yes they they know it's wrong to steal they know it's wrong to punch someone. Uh, they know it's wrong to kick someone that said, okay, well, we're going to try them as adults then. Okay. Um, How did the, uh, I suppose, the idea come about? Was it something that you were working on for a while? Or did it, uh, was so, it a resurgence in, was, in the news yeah. of the, uh, of because the, obviously the, the, the two boys as adults, there was uh, some stories re-emerging about them as adults. Did that re- reinvigor you to do something no, about it? No, actually, it was, I was working on it before that uh, <laughs> came up. Yeah. I was, you know, so um, I, I was 12 when it happened in, yeah. in 1993, and, and I remember like, very well, um, and, and could never get my head around, you know, how two ten-year-old boys could commit such a horrific crime. It was heinous, yeah. And and everyone just always said that well, they were evil monsters, and and you kind of, you know, when you're twelve, you don't question things too much, and 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 I kind of grew up just believing that, and then it had been out of the news for a long time, and then somebody just mentioned it unexpectedly to me, you know, again as as an adult, and and I, and I remember the shudder I felt, and I was like, wow, that that the James the James Bulger case, and um, and it just got me interested in it again. I started reading, um, I started reading everything I could find on it in the end, and uh, I got to the interview transcripts, and I I was expecting to find something much darker, mm-hmm. colder. Like you're expecting to see, you know, oh, something evil. like cold-blooded killers. Yeah, and, but they're uh, kids. Instead, I I kind of realised that there was this, you know, heartbreakingly human story. Beneath it all, and uh, and I, I I started seeing it as a tragedy, not just for one family, but for three families. Mm. And you know, it's not it's not a very popular opinion. Yeah, it's not an open and shut kind of black and white case. I mean, there's several, you know, several people, families, the world affected by this. So people need to, I yeah. guess, understand from a psychological point of view and a societal examination point of view what that does, why that happens. Yeah, uh, kind of thing, I guess. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that, I mean, that's. There's much more to it than the than the well, actual murders. Into it, I just kind of wanted to get a better understanding of it, and you know, I, I didn't know I was going to be making a film about it at the time, but that's how it started, and and then I just really couldn't get it out of my head, and and I and, I, and that's when I kind of started working on it as a as a screenplay to see, um, you know, how to communicate it to to somebody because it was. It was just a side of the story that had never really been told, even in documentaries. They would always kind of brush over the interviews or else just pick out, you know, little pieces that they, they want, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, 
and, and they, you know, often be just taken out of context then. And, uh, um, yeah, I just felt the story was, wasn't ever being told accurately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, also, we forget that these are children and, you know, and the casting, I suppose, for this must have been difficult, <laughs> to say um, the least. Well, I, I don't know if you'd say difficult. I mean, because I'm, I'm very used to casting. I've, so I've worked as an agent and, and in casting for a long time. So, so uh, I've done you know thousands of auditions over the years. Okay. So I, I don't think of it as difficult. Actually, it's 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 something I'm really comfortable doing. So, okay. so I, I wanted to cast this myself because I, I'm always afraid. You know, you might miss somebody if. Uh, with somebody else doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that magic so, in the room. And sometimes, kind of thing. you know, if, yeah. you just, if you just bring kids in and, and they just prepare a scene and you let them go back out the door, you know, they, it's, it's usually not great because a lot of times they might be, they might be over-rehearsed or something. It might just come across like a little, you know, prepared. Or, and um, So you wanted to see those, so, those nuances, kind of nuances. Yeah, I mean, the way I, I do a casting, um, I'll, I'll always get them off the script because so a lot of the time kids will come in and they'll be over-prepared with their drama school teacher and uh, mm -hmm. and no matter what you say to them they're, they're just going to give you the same delivery because it's kind of ingrained in their head they've done it so many times so in order to really see what they can do I, I always just start improvising with them straight afterwards um, and so for this film I had an actor in the room who was reading against them and uh, at the end of the scene so they'd all prepare a scene mm -hmm. and then I told the actor just to kind of start improvising but in the film the detectives are very gentle when they're questioning the boys but for the purpose of the casting I told him to just kind of you know lose the rag with them a little you bit. Need, you needed them to, to, to poke the so, kids to get a yeah, reaction. And it know. always got them by surprise <laughs> but, but suddenly they, they weren't worked. acting anymore. Yeah. So it was great just to see what, what, what they do in a situation like that when, when they're surprised you know Yeah. And, and if they can just kind of themselves and be natural and, and you know it's yeah I don't know like <laughs> I suppose the kids were great you know like obviously I've seen the film the kids were great yeah but, they're, they're incredibly but you but you wonder you know yeah. like uh, all sorts of emotions for me watching it where you know you've gone through it and you're you go from judging them to uh, having a great deal of empathy for them and the parents and it makes you kind of uh, dig a little bit deeper in terms of what it means to be evil or people's even ch a child's perspective and in, in right and wrong, because there's a piece uh, there's a, there's a segment a scene in it where the one of the detectives is asking him, "Do you know the difference between right and wrong? Do you know this? Yeah, yeah. Is that wrong? So that was something they had is, to establish. Is that wrong? With both boys to know, see if they were sane, I guess. Um, yeah, just to make you to you know so that they understood what right, right and wrong and truth and lies uh, were, yeah. you know, from the beginning. Um, and that was just something they they kind of had to get out of the way with both of them, you know. And we see them talking about that with John. I mean, they said, "Do you know what truth is, John?" And, mm -hmm. and he says, "Yeah, I think so." And uh, and he says, "Well, you tell me what you think truth is." And John says that you've done something and it's true, <laughs> and they're trying to you know just make sure he he understands it. And, and yeah, he yeah. says so. So if I said you've got a green face and pink hair, would that be a lie? And he says yeah. And he says okay, so you know what a lie is. And so just so they they understand you know the, the parameters of the game, yeah, yeah, as it were. Yeah. Um, uh, so casting obviously was, uh, by the sounds of it, easier than, than you would have imagined. Uh, Not easier, well, but it happened easy. quicker. I mean, it still, but it happened um, quicker. We did a really big casting. You know, we saw lots of boys, and I know, I mean, 
like when we get to the improvisation, you know, if they weren't getting it, like we'd we'd cut it, you know, but they'd still have done their best. Okay. Um, with Eli, for example, who plays John, he he had never acted before. He'd uh, he'd never done a drama class. This was his first audition. He's fantastic, by the way. Um, he's incredible. Yeah, and and I mean, I, I think the fact that he didn't have you know training and drama was great because he, he, Eli never tries to act. He can just he can do nothing but tell the truth. Mm -hmm. So, so when we, you know, started improvising... That'll change as he gets older, I'm sure. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, we'll see. Um, uh, but, he, I mean, at the moment, he's still a great actor. And Leon, as well, is is phenomenal actor. Very different type of characters, obviously. Yeah, but, well, yeah. actually, Leon initially auditioned for John, and mm -hmm. he was so good as John, we didn't think he could possibly play a Robert, because normally, you know, you can tell by their headshots, because they're so different boys. Mm -hmm. You know, like, somebody's either a John or they're a Robert. And we auditioned Leon first. He had longer hair, and um, he was incredible as John. Mm -hmm. And and they were thinking. I was looking at him. I was like, oh, I wonder if he shaved his head like this. <laughs> Could Turn he work as a Robert? And they're both Irish, both of those kids. They're both Irish. Yeah, yeah. yeah but they they worked with the dialect coach mm -hmm. on the accent, and um, and we kind of you know I mean the accent it's a it's a mild Liverpool accent to make it still understandable to a, an international yeah audience. yeah absolutely and it works very very much so, so. and the yeah, supporting cast are very good too yeah i mean that was gavin o'donoghue the dialect coach and he kind of you know just kind of worked on them you know i think if we had liverpool kids he we would have been trying to neutralize the accent so it's a, it's a, it's a kind of a, it's got all the vowel sounds of liverpool accent but it's still so phonetically i suppose it's better to start from the ground up instead yeah, of too much and winding still, down yeah, yeah it's 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 a good movie accent for it and uh, yeah. i'm not sure what people in liverpool are going to think of it but speaking uh, of liver uh, people in liverpool um uh, have you ha has it, number one has it, has the film been seen in the uk number two um have people in Liverpool, primarily people involved in the actual case, seen it, been involved in it in any capacity? or? Um, no, I mean, it, ha well, it hasn't screened in the UK yet. Um, there is one coming up uh, next month, though. So we'll see how that goes. Um, you know, and uh, it's... I, you know, I think they, they feel so sensitive about it over there. It's, it, it's hard to know, you know, uh, I, but... Uh, you know, I, I, it's, it's a case that, that kind of can still cause public outrage mm -hmm. even today. And um, a lot of it is just kind of this, you know, reluctance to, to really want to... Address it. I mean, the case, it was just so horrific that I think a lot of people just shy away from mm. absorbing any more facts about it. So uh, they, they, I think people are a lot more comfortable kind of, you know, just thinking of those two boys as being evil. And... And the film isn't meant to be sympathetic at all to the boys, you know. Um, I think what it does do is that it humanises them, and a lot of people might say it's wrong to humanise them, but I think that's, you know... Just no, I, don't, I don't agree. ...archaic way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. I think they've been so dehumanised by the media, they've been called evil monsters and the spawn of Satan and with hearts of evil. I mean, these are just quotes from the, the paper. Um, and... Uh, you know, I think what my film does is that for the first time ever we see them not as these evil monsters but two ten-year-old boys that have done something absolutely horrendous mm -hmm. and they don't know why. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tough one. I, it's, it's an important film to watch because it makes you, from my perspective anyway, it makes you analyse, you know, because it's, I think it's a fine line because kids get up to all sorts of nonsense.
you know, um, and it seems that the further that these two children got into this mess and ultimately tragic situation, there seems to have been a couple of times when they had options to get out of that. But because of the rivalry that they had between the, themselves, the two kids, or particularly one leading the other one on, um, it seemed more and more difficult as, as it went on. And then it just went to the point where you cross a line and then you can't go back from that. Yeah. Like they had a couple of opportunities to try and to, to, to do the right thing, as it were. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, oh, that's great. And frankly, it's great. It's it's great cinema. It's great. It's a great story for that reason yeah, as well. I mean, there, I mean, there were so many people who um, who had seen them and and stopped them and and you know, I mean, like I, I've only put a few example or scenes into the film. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I mean, there's one scene at a shop where um, without giving too much away, obviously. Yeah. Well, so there's a scene. It's it's a scene at a shop where the two women. Uh, stop them and and they they just think something's wrong and 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 they say well, where did you get the boy where are you going with the boy and they say we found him at the strand we're bringing him to Walton Lane Police Station and then another woman comes along with her she's got a little girl with her and and she says well you've walked a long way from the strand to Walton Lane Police Station and John says well that's where the man directed us and she's looking at them and um, she senses that they're nervous and she feels something isn't quite right but but she just can't put her finger on it mm-hmm. so because it's un- unimaginable that yeah yeah she's, you know she's, that she's kids like, would be something wrong that that would happen there's a closer police station and 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 she just sensed that something wasn't right and so she says to the woman who has a dog she says would you mind my daughter while i bring the little boy to the police station so her daughter had been just cranky and tired from walking so then the woman with the dog she says um well Sorry, my dog's afraid of children. I can't. And um, and then she looks back at the boys and she says, "Okay, boys, are you sure you know the way?" And they're already walking away. And John says, "Yeah, I'll go that way, Mrs." And they're gone. And um, and she's just filled with regret. You, know, you would she, wonder, yeah, you would she, wonder. She wishes she could go back and and do something. But you know, one of those things. What what you know. You know, nobody's directly responsible for it necessarily, apart from the, you know, No, I mean, it was just, you know, nobody would have imagined, you know, what what would happen. Mm. I think it's important to steer clear of the words, like, you know, very dis- definitive words like evil when you're dealing with the, especially child psychology as well. Um, I subsequently, I think that, I think the uh, the effects of what has happened have, you know, not exactly painted those kids or particularly one of those kids as, as he's grown up in a very positive light but I think that uh, uh, just generally we need to be more open minded as to why people behave a certain way as opposed to why they did something yeah know? I mean I think it's understanding people why it's people do things it's a lot easier things. to just label them evil than mm. to, to that's not an excuse you know in any yeah. capacity but uh, certainly it should get people talk, talking and thinking more importantly about, about these wider issues uh, yeah. can, can we get back to, let's go way back uh, sure. to, uh, I suppose, when you were young. Why did you want to be a filmmaker? What mm. sparked that in you? Mm. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I, I just, I, I loved watching movies. And, yeah. and uh, I mean, so I've been, you know, kind you're, of... You're a dub, are you? You're right, am I I'm right? I'm from Dublin, yeah. yeah but, you know, I've, I've been kind of writing, you know, stories and stuff like since I was a kid. I was always... Writing little, little books and, and drawing pictures and and um, I think I've always wanted to tell stories like so. I think it's like since I was ten years old I've been kind of 
Do you know, my dad had an old Super 8 millimeter camera that I used to, mm-hmm. you know, shoot some terrible films. Like we'd go on holidays and I'd, I'd start casting my parents in them, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, just shooting in camera um, to do it. You know, and and they did it because they didn't have any choice. Uh, and then and were they supportive overall? Uh, oh yeah, 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 definitely, absolutely. And you went on um, to study afterwards. So yeah, I mean, well then I I started doing drama as a teenager. Uh, not really because I wanted to be an actor, because I just wanted to get free actors for these films I was making. Yeah, where was this? So that was um, Betty Ann Norton Theatre School okay. in Dublin. Um, and I got chatting to Hugh O'Connor last night, actually, because he went there as well. Oh, OK. Um, but um, He's a wonderful actor and now subsequently a great director. Uh, yeah, 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 really. Yeah, it was great to catch up with him there. But um, So then, yeah, I mean, after that, then I, I went, I did film in the National Film School now at IADT, Dunleary. OK. And um, then after that, I mean, I made a graduate film, which, you know, did pretty well at festi- festivals. Um, and then... You kind of realise, it well, it's actually pretty hard to get paid to do this. <laughs> yeah. So I, uh, I, I kind of, I, I was still freelancing in film and TV, but I, as a, my backup job, and which I still do, is I, I work as an agent for actors and casting, as I said. Okay. Um, so you know, I've been producing music videos for Sony Music and Universal Music, like a lot of Irish bands. Um, I've worked with like with T.G. Cahar in live TV as well. Um, you know, lots of shorts and things like that. But um, I, I kind of went down a line of you know the producing road, and then it's hard to cross back over to directing mm-hmm. um, when people just start seeing you as a producer. Well, to get paid to do it, it's certainly <laughs> hard. So, so that's kind of why I, I just felt like, wow, I need to get back. And did you have a period where you weren't you, you weren't kind of fulfilled creatively? Oh yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I, I just felt like I, I, I wasn't doing what I should be doing, you know. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really kind of, it's the sort of thing that eats away at you, you know, when, when, when you know you're, you're not doing what you should be doing. Yeah, yeah. So um, keep you awake at night, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So in the end, I, I, I kind of just put uh, my own money into making this film um, because I, I got so frustrated trying to get funding for it and it would get down to, you know, like the final three or something, it'd be shortlist and it would nearly get it. And uh, and then just didn't quite for, um, well, for the obvious reason, because it's it's a really risky one Yeah. But... Uh, to back, you know, when um, when they're, they're not sure how it's going to turn out. So... Um, so yeah, in the end, I I put about thirty five thousand of my own money into it just to to get it made, and it's an expensive hobby. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, but yeah. but a worthwhile uh, pursuit. Mm. Obviously, I mean, surely it makes it worthwhile when audiences respond to it, and, yeah. like I yesterday, mean, for example. It's, it's it's good, you know, and yeah, I mean, there's lots of distributors that are interested in it. I think I've decided which one I'm going to go with. Lovely. Congratulations. Um, well, the only way is up. Um, of course, it's, you'd imagine it's a, it's a risky bet, but certainly one based on the on the end product from uh, from my perspective, I think is well worth you know putting out there. I think people should, uh, if you get a chance to see it, if it's out in festivals where you are in the near future, go and see it. It'll make you think, and that's the you know I suppose that's the I think the overall yeah, message, I mean, right? I think if, if any people come away with anything from the film, I would just like them to think about it. I think, and that's it. You know, I mean, but also to remember that you know there is 
a much wider story there. I mean, I've just made, it's just like, the film is just a little glimpse of one aspect of the case. It's just the, the interview transcripts, and it doesn't try and encapsulate the whole story. I mean, there's a wider story there, and it's a heartbreaking one, you know, but it, it doesn't look at it from the point of view of James Bolger's family. Mm -hmm. And, and I, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, to do justice to, to the unimaginable pain that, that they went through, you would need a, a different type of film. You can't just you can't just encapsulate that in a short film. So so we didn't even try to, you know. So, mm. but I think it's important to remember, you know, that you know not to forget the victim and and, and the family. Yeah, and they come from it. the actual tapes. So what you're saying, you know, is fact. Yeah. Oh, it's it's almost entirely verbatim, you know. So there's there's no embellishments whatsoever in the film. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, so what's next? Um, Paying off that 35 grand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> slowly but surely, yeah, yeah. Some of the awards come with money. They're like the last one had 5,000 euro. Which well, is, uh, puts a little bit of a dent in it. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's good, yeah. Um, so, um, little by little, yeah. So, I mean, I, I didn't make the film to, to make a profit, though. Um, so... Here's a question for you. We we ask we ask this of most people who come on, whether it be you know if they're ads or composers or whatever it may be, or directors or actors. How do you deal with rejection? Um, in in what sense do you mean? Like when film festivals at nightclubs when you're seventeen? No, <laughs> no, just generally speaking, I suppose. I don't know whether it be going for funding or go, you know, pitching for a job that went out to tender, for example, or anything it may be. From your perspective, how do you how do you market and move on, or how do you keep moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of you can learn from it. Mm. You know, if if you understand uh, why somebody isn't doing, but they don't always tell you that. You know, so I, I think it's hugely helpful when people do explain to you mm. why something isn't right for them. Um, and and it's yeah, it's something I I really kind of like to. To do like even with the film, we we did lots of test screenings because it's it's great to just get people's opinions and and then you know when you realise something isn't working, if two people say the same thing, then then there's a problem, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so you you need to just kind of look at it and, and really kind of um, you know learn from that. I think you know I think I've you know, I think I probably just learned from rejection and not uh, hold grudges and oh no no that no, guy not that... at all no no. Um, no, I, I, I really appreciate when, when somebody will actually just give... Take the time to say, because opinion. of this. Yeah, yeah, and it's, 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 uh, it's a great thing to do, you know. And, and it, it's rarer than you think, you know, that they, for a lot of applications for TV and no, just a no, thank you for applying. Yeah, a lot of the time they, they don't really give you the feedback, but it's, when they do, it's great because you, you get a better understanding of, of what they're looking for and, and why something isn't working yeah you know. so don't be vague guys tell people why things weren't yeah, selected I mean, I, or why it wasn't for them or why they're not they giving you that five grand the time though, to do that you know so yeah um, um any advice for a young you oh, um what, well, would you, what would you say to yourself 17 <laughs> or 18 uh, I, I always say kind of you know giving advice because it makes it sound like I, I know everything and i don't really you know but <laughs> um i i would say like but uh, you know, if if you before you make something, I would say because like filmmaking, it takes a lot of time, and yeah. it takes a lot of money. So I would say you know before you're going to invest all that time and money into something, I would 
say you should really make sure the script is as good as it can possibly be because you know it doesn't cost you anything at that stage <laughs> to get it right and to get it at the level and and to really make sure you, if you're making something that that you really care about it and that you're you know you if 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 you're not quite sure of something I, I think don't make it and, and park it and move on well or 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 work on it until until it's right until you've given it to people and and you're sure it's right. So I mean, with with the script for this, mm -hmm. it went through several drafts. You know, before I was happy with with one that we could make, mm -hmm. um, and that I felt this was a script that I could tell in that time that 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 would 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 encapsulate everything mm -hmm. and and show it well. So so yeah, I you know, but I, I had lots of time, you know, to to work on the script and. Um, yeah, I, I just sort of, I suppose I obsessed over it a little bit, you know. Yeah, that's okay. To make sure, so I mean, a lot of the editing was done just in, in the, the writing of it, and and a lot of it was more about what we didn't put in, what we lost, mm. to to put this structure on it. How was it shooting in Liverpool? Uh, so we we did the interview scenes here in, in Ireland, mm. and the scenes with the actors, so in Liverpool, we did it. I mean, it really was just it was a minimal crew that we we did. I mean, a lot of establishers and producer, yeah. So, and we just went over. We got exteriors of the shopping centre and the police stations and all along the route the boys took, and very little had changed. Amazingly, in in twenty five years, um, the shopping centre was still there as it was, and that's gold from a from a continuity point of view yeah, and I think production design. They've redeveloped. I think we got it just in time. Wow! But it was a really strange feeling, you know, just to be there on all the locations and knowing it. And I'd done so much research into it. I was, I was actually like, I'd see the little low wall and be like, ah, oh, this is the wall. And and there was a little low wall that, which is how they knew the boys were much smaller than they initially thought. Initially, they thought there were maybe fourteen, fifteen-year-olds that they were looking for. And then there's there's this wall um, beside the Mons uh, uh, pub in, in in Liverpool. And it's about this high here, and uh, hmm. and it's only when they came up. It's, it's quite small. If I, yeah, and they for said people well, we're, we're looking for much smaller kids. They, they'd be maybe ten or eleven, and uh, and you know. But then when when you when I'm walking the route and you see all these things, and I'm like, it, it was just strange, eerie. Yeah, in in a, in a sense, you know. Um, uh, yeah, we're just just seeing it all and and walking the route. Um, but I, I think it, it kind of really adds an authenticity to the film, and mm. for a lot of people they watch it and they just assume we've shot it in Liverpool. Yeah, well, it would give you also a moral responsibility to get it as close to it to, yeah. to the subject matter as possible, yeah, I mean, narratively. Even though obviously there wasn't much deviation from the actual transcripts, but you wanted to obviously serve the. Well, no, we mean story. right down to the costume design, and like I don't know, did I have a little comparison with their mugshots with our actor and yeah. and the actor who plays John and the same with Robert um was a brilliant production designer on it who who kind of matched them and I, well, you can't see this but like so this is yeah the real John and our yeah I remember I, 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 and I so I mean right down to that I mean even the the place of the blocking in the room where they were sitting um was all really important to get right and and it wasn't a, an interview like this where there's a table between them, which is the way they would normally do it. Everything was quite close. Yeah. Because they were dealing with children, they decided to push the table away and just make a little uh, semicircle with with the chairs. Mm -hmm. um, 
Which I suppose almost like a counselling session, you know, not to, yeah, they to didn't get them want to, uh, to intimidate the boys like yeah. too much, and there was create a barrier between them. For example, if there was a table, it would create something. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I see. There's um, there's a there's a part in the in the film where the child runs to one of the detectives and gives him a hug. So yeah, I mean, John, like, I mean, he's. You know, they're so different when when they're questioned, and, and that was the thing I, I think I found most interesting about it. So John, when you know, the first hint that he, he might be mm. telling the truth or when they catch him out on a lie, he, he gets hugely emotional. He's he's up out of his chair and and he's crying, and, and he, he at one stage he throws himself in the lap of the detectives for comfort. He's hysterical and... and, and and, and, he, and he turns to his mum and he says, yeah, we were there, mum, but we, we never got a kid. We never got a kid, mum. We, we, we saw never, we never. Yeah, yeah and, and then he, he, he buries his head against his mother and, and he says, I never, I never, I never, I never, I never. And he, he just wails his I never, I never until it no longer sounds like words, but one long cry. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, go and see it, guys, if you got a chance. Um, I and then, well, Robert, actually, sorry, just to contrast, yeah, yeah, like yeah, when Robert on. is questioned... What I found so interesting was that they're, they're completely different. Robert wants to argue back with the detectives. He's got a smart, elegant answer for... Yeah, for quick pro quo kind of and, stuff. And it, the detectives are frustrated by him. So, so I think that's why when you intercut them, they're so different. And, and it's an interesting way to tell the story. You know, I mean, if you were to read all John's transcripts and all Robert's uh, separately... Um, it would be it's it's different, but but they happened at the same time. Mm. So I think the way to tell the story is to to go from one to the other, and then and then you know you're not seeing everything. We just get little moments, and when we come back to John's interview, we've we've missed a section, but you know we we, we get the most important pieces of it, and um, it kind of really builds momentum. It's uh, fascinating, you know, that it's it's true. Yeah, yeah, it's unbelievable, is what it is, mm. and that's what makes it such a good story but also film um so congratulations thank you very much thank you uh so yeah thanks for coming in uh great thanks for really appreciate it great talking to you paul yeah you too man thanks